0: Hi everyone, I'm Chad Harms, and you're listening to Testimony, a podcast telling the stories of how and why people became Christians. On today's bonus episode, you'll hear Jerry Dugan talk about a variety of topics, including what he'd say to a family he scared and humiliated in Iraq when he was in the army, the closest he's ever felt to God, and why he's a Christian. At the end of this episode, you'll hear a testimony submitted to me by a woman named Daisy. Make sure to stay until the end to hear it. As I say that, I'm reminded that I'd love to read your testimony, You can share it with me by going to testimonypodcast.com and filling out the form there. I might even ask for permission to share it on the show. You can also use the form at testimonypodcast.com to share ideas about people whose testimonies you think I should share on this show. I'm really curious who you think I should have on, so please use that form. Before today's episode plays, I want to make clear, as I do with every bonus episode, that it is just that, a bonus episode. It is meant to be listened to in conjunction with the full-length episode that came out two weeks ago. That episode told the story of how and why Jerry became a Christian. It is an incredible story about God using a minefield, a couple of prayers made thousands of miles apart, and a sermon to bring Jerry into a relationship with him. If you haven't already listened to it, hit pause on this episode and go listen to that one first. It will make certain things you'll hear in today's conversation make far more sense. I want to let you know one more time that there won't be any episodes next month. I'll be traveling with my family. But in October, we will be back with one of my dream guests, Francine Rivers. She's a New York Times bestseller. Her book, Redeeming Love, was recently made into a movie. Her novels have been translated in over 30 languages. And she wrote one of my favorite books, A Voice in the Wind. Beyond all that, though, she has an amazing story of how God changed her life. I'll say it again, make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss it. Here's a clip.
1: You can be in the pew of a church and not really uh, know Christ. So it was, um, I had a lot of head knowledge, but not heart knowledge. When I went away to college, I just kind of left it all behind. I didn't go to church. Uh, I talked about faith with other people, but I don't really believe, you know, that I didn't really feel the difference until I was in my late 30s.
0: As I said before, make sure to subscribe so that you can hear what happened so that Francine felt the difference that Jesus can make, Jesus did make, in her life. Okay, I'm going to play the rest of my conversation with Jerry. But I do need to set the context for this question first. A big part of Jerry's story is centered around his time serving in the army in Iraq during the Second Gulf War. On the last episode, he described the furthest he'd ever felt from God by telling a story about humiliating and scaring an Iraqi family while he was securing a compound in Iraq. He screamed, he burned their clothes, and he threatened their lives. But what would you say to that family today? I mean... I'm sorry. (laughs)
1: Like there is, you know, if I could do it again, that is not the way I would have handled your family. And, um, yeah, if they could forgive me, great. Yeah. I mean, I am okay without their forgiveness, but like, I'm, I'm sure I scarred them in a way that stayed with them. So,
0: What's the closest you've ever felt to God? Oh
1: man. Uh, if I could pick one, Geez, it was a really cool thing with um, so many, so many. But the one that's standing out to my mind right now was um, so I'm a relatively new believer. Like I received Christ finally in what 2005. So this is probably like 2006, 2007. Um, I'd lost my job in 2006. I was working for somebody who uh, just you know, definitely a mean boss or a horrible boss and like fired four people in front of me. I was like number five. Nobody had done anything wrong. Just somebody was insecure, fired a bunch of people. Um, but in that, you know, like we used our savings. Um, it was just like seeing God's provision, not just for ourselves, but the interconnectedness of the people in the church. So our pastor, this is unrelated to my situation at the time. I'm on camera. We're watching the sermon. Our pastor is just giving his sermon, and this guy walks up to the stage and has his hand up, and we all panic and freak on the on the cameras and backstage on the on the video crew because we think this man's holding a gun or a knife. And we can even see out of the corner of our eye the one police officer, like who was in the atrium now, kind of perks up, like, "Oh, this is it." The death threats are real, because um, our pastor once talked about or against domestic violence, and he's had death threats ever since. Uh, and so we thought this is the guy, <laughs> like the death threat is here, and you just see people kind of go on edge, get ready to tackle this guy, and our pastor is arguing back and forth with this man. Turns out, this man is struggling in his job; it's putting strain on his wife, and um, they're also new believers, and. The husband had said to his wife before going to church, how do you even know God is talking to you? Like you're being so obedient, but you don't even know if he's really talking to you. And the wife said to him, well, you know what? When he talks to you, you just go and obey and you'll know. That's all I got to say. And let's go to church. So they go to church. Uh, It's offering time at church. That's when this goes down. And the guy pulls out his wallet. He's got a $10 bill and a $100 bill and he's going for the 10. I'm going to tip God. That's cool. Uh, But he feels it on his heart. The hundred, give the hundred, not the 10. And he's like, nah, the 10, <laughs> that's the smart play. That's me rationally thinking through it. It's the 10 and it, it, but the conviction is stronger, the hundred. And so he grabs the hundred out and then there's a second conviction after that. Take it up to the front, <laughs> not the bucket, pass the bucket. You're taking it up to the front. And so he took the hundred dollar bill, walked up to the front. Held it out. And you could like the way he did it was like a pouty child, like <laughs> and uh, now Pastor Bill is arguing with him, like, no, 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 that's yours. You you hold on to that. And Pastor Bill reached into his pocket, kneeled down, and gave him something. And the man now is insisting, you take my hundred, and he goes, no, that is yours. Get out of here. <laughs> and so he's like, got one thing in his one hand. He's got this hundred dollar bill in the other. And so finally the guy's like, no, you have to take this. And he gives the hundred dollar bill up and Pastor Bill takes it. Uh, turns out Pastor Bill had it on his heart. He was giving his car away that day and he cleaned out his car. And this was like service number four. And all throughout the day, our pastor is like trying to manufacture this miracle. Like, do I give it to this guy? Do I give it to this guy? And on his heart is this guy is going to make it obvious that this is the guy you give your car to. And so when he's in the final service of the day and there's this random dude he's never met standing in front of him with a hundred dollar bill. It was like this guy. And he's like, this is insane. Like you see the look on our pastor's face, like. I believe, but holy moly, you literally brought a guy right up to me. <laughs> and so he kneeled down and he was handing him the, the car key like this is yours. Here you go. And the man's like, oh, I definitely have to give you this now. <laughs> and he goes, no, th- I didn't sell you the car. The car is yours. That's a gift. He goes, oh, you don't understand. I have to give you the $100 bill this doesn't matter. You take the hundred. He goes, no, you take the car and go. And that was him shooing him off. And he goes, you have to take the hundred dollar bill. And he goes, fine, I'll take your hundred dollar bill. And so it was like them both being obedient to what was on their heart. Wow. And that spurred on, like people are giving their cars away left and right now. Like, like this guy is like, I have to get my car away. And uh, he's like, how are you doing? And it turns, oh, so mm-hmm. going back to that guy though, it uh, turns out the thing holding him back from taking this job that would give him more time at home. And be less stressful and be more aligned with his new values as a Christian. The thing holding him back was the company car in his current job. They had no other means of transportation. And that was the thing they needed to be able to cross that line. Wow! And so here's Pastor Bill giving him the car. And he's like, you've got to be kidding me. This is the one thing I couldn't afford. Now I have it. And now we're able to take this job. And and he, like, I think within a month, he led his entire work team to Christ like wow. in the new job. And it was just like, wow. <laughs> and uh, and then for us, like I just lost my job and got into real estate, got a transaction, gave the first fruit away to somebody. And we were blessed for a good amount of time. And, you know, it all sounds like it's, an, it, I don't want to like get into prosperity gospel because that's not what I'm intending to do. Uh, what I'm talking about is like, I trusted God. I saw other people trusting God. People are just taking leaps of faith and God's provision was there. And, uh, it was just like a kind of a glimpse into how God really is interconnected or interconnects all of us. And, you know, we never know when what we're doing today is going to impact somebody five, 10 years from now. And like, he's preparing us for things that we don't even know we're going to do yet. That blows my
0: mind. How has Jesus changed your life?
1: Oh man. Um, I would say in two big ways. Uh, one being much more forgiving, you know, letting go of grudges and, you know, that's, that's number one. And number two is surrendering the things I know I cannot control. So when a crisis happens, yeah, I mean, there are times I get frustrated, but then I come to a point where it's, you know, seriously, I can't go back in time and undo the thing that just happened to me. So how do I respond in a way that honors God? And, um, and that seems to make an impact not just on myself, but other people around me. And, um, you know, my boss tells me all the time, like, when we get hit with a crisis at work, he's like, you're always cool under pressure. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> like, I, I feel the stress you feel. I just, by the time I realize it's stress, I've surrendered it. And I know I can't do anything about that, but I know my response can be something that helps fix the thing that just happened. And, uh, so that's, that's what you see happening. It's not like none of this bothers me. <laughs> it's just, I know to, when to give it up and focus on what I can do and everything works out from there.
0: Why are you a Christian?
1: Oh man. Uh, it just, it, it made sense. <laughs> it, it made sense by the time I had been asked that question or not asked the question, but I heard my pastor say, quit dipping your toe in the water. You know what you're getting into. Uh, it was the aha moment of, you know, God's not a halfway kind of guy. You know, he's, he's all in. And he always has been. He's just waiting for you to also be all in. And things click into place. Um, so there's that. It, it just made sense. And it made me whole. You know, when people say that we're kind of built with this, like, missing piece within us, and it's to be connected back with God, I, I firmly believe it. I felt it. Um, I felt what it's like to be connected to God. Um, and yeah, just, I just, it's again, purpose with life. Like there's purpose with God there. And if he's not around, if he doesn't exist, then it's like, really, what is the point? We're just a bunch of eating, reproducing globs of cells. Now, if we've got too much intelligence for that. There's got to be a purpose behind that.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: Oh, man. Uh, no, I, I think uh, hopefully this story has helped you uh, listening in, The you know, embrace your own story. Uh, so I guess there is something, and that is you have a story. It's part of God's story, and you sharing your story could be what's needed to have somebody else open up and and
0: commit their lives to, to Jesus. before I let you go and read to you Daisy's testimony. She says, I became a Christian at the age of nine, went to church every Wednesday and Sunday, church camp every summer, and participated in Bible drills every year. Actually won second place in the state of Texas. I want to share my story hoping to inspire others. I was sexually, physically, and emotionally abused from a young child until my adult years. My mother passed away when I was six months old, and my father was possibly murdered when I was 20 years old. There were times I didn't want to, or almost didn't make it through, but by the grace of God, I made it. I believe I went through the things in my life to make me strong enough to face what is ahead of me. I have been diagnosed with a rare terminal neurological condition known as MSA, or multiple system atrophy, and only one out of every 100,000 people in the USA are diagnosed with it. Daisy, I thank you for sharing that with us. I too believe that God will use what you have been through to help you get through what is next, and I will pray for you. Again, if you want to share your story with me, go to TestimonyPodcast.com and fill out the form there. And finally, if you'd like to make a financial donation to this show, it would be greatly helpful. You can do that by going to TestimonyPodcast.com and clicking on the big yellow button. Anything you contribute will be appreciated. Thanks for listening.